Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. While I'm interested in the frontiers defining the future of fashion, it's necessary to acknowledge a certain responsibility to and respect for the landscape of our past. Season 9 aims to understand the context our clothing has to our climate, our culture and our country. And in a world where fashion moves fast, examine how we can move forward and find a sense of self back in nature. This series will continue to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but with a grounded group of talented fashion professionals who share in their ability to work with nature as well as nurture and nourish it. Today, I'm chatting with Jess Nathan, best known for meeting her love match on Australian dating show, Farmer Wants a Wife. While Jess may have once had lofty goals of wanting to be on television, the reality of the spotlight has proven things are not always as they seem. Despite being painted as the heartbreaking city girl, in the light of day, Jess is a country girl at heart. And now she's all shacked up with Farmer Andrew in Rural Delegate. It's her return to the good old country values of being practical, taking only what you need and considering community that have come to define her style. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Jess's real story. Um, Okay. Jess, we know you from the 2021 season of Farmer Wants Wife. Um, And as your reality TV show story goes, you're a city girl from Melbourne that fell in love with a sheep farmer and are now living happily ever after. Uh, But I think that the great thing about this podcast is that we get to know the real backstory. Um, And I want to just start with what did city girl life start with Jess Nathan in Melbourne what did that what did your childhood look like yeah I love that you've asked that because um you're so right I I have been given this character that I'm from the city which is um devastating to my parents because that was not my upbringing at all I grew up on a um in a small town called Warburton which is in uh Victoria probably about an hour and a half from from Melbourne um we were on about 60 acres there and um it was a really beautiful childhood I grew up with horses and and motorbikes and goats and chickens and and um and all that stuff which was which was awesome and and I'm so grateful that I did get that opportunity growing up so my um yeah, my character on Farmer Wants a Wife was was actually quite different yeah, to, so, yeah. to who I am the- Growing up on the land with your horses um, and being in a more regional environment, was nature a big part of how you found creativity and spent your time as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We weren't really allowed to watch TV much growing up. And at the time, although I kind of hated mum and dad for it, I am really, really grateful. Um, We spent pretty well all of our time outside um, having mud fights in the dam and and riding the horses and the motorbikes and just getting out and about. Um, we would spend a lot of time, you know, dinners around the campfire and and just a really, I guess, wholesome, kind upbringing um, as a as a childhood. And and it was it was amazing. And, um, you know, that's 
a part of the reason why I applied for Farmer Wants a Wife is because I've always wanted um, the childhood that I had when my parents decided to sell that block uh, and move. I was devastated. And I, and I used to always say to my mom, I'm buying that house <laughs> when I'm older. Like I'm buying that exact house and I'm giving my kids the same upbringing. Yeah. Um, and she would say, you know, you can buy this house, but you should buy your own house and create your own memories with, with your family when, when you're ready to do that. And I think that, you know, those conversations that I had with my mom when I was younger have always stuck with me. Um, and it is always how I wanted to, to raise a family is on, on property and, and around animals and, and yeah. in nature. Um, oh, well, you certainly are falling into that pathway. Now, aren't you? <laughs> so uh, one of the questions I had, because you obviously, you know, you, you've gone onto this reality TV show. Um, but a, a question I wanted to ask was, was, did, as a kid, did you want to be on TV or is that like if you weren't allowed to watch it, was it something that you really loved and, and just, you know, it was just not something you had access to or being on TV was like far yeah. from your your sights? No, when I was younger, I desperately wanted to be an actress. Um, I was with like a small casting agency and I was an extra on Neighbours a couple of times and it was just like my dream because that was, I lived for Neighbours. Yeah, it was the best. You couldn't see me, but I just, it was the best. (laughs) I'm I'm a bit older than Um, you. So, yes. I'm, I'm Charlene and Scott like stages of neighbors so i'm not quite sure what your um era of that program was but my era was um margot robbie yeah (laughs) even better so uh, yeah (laughs) like an australian childhood dream to 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 be on neighbors yeah that's exactly right that balance out your parents kind of like encourage that and get you into that whilst kind of giving you this humble very um, natural and and um, untouched environment, I guess. Yeah, my parents are just like very supportive, and and um, and they were with when I applied for the show, and and you know throughout my life, if there's something that I've really wanted to do, I've always worked hard, and they've encouraged me to work hard to to achieve that. So. Um, because I was so desperate to go on Neighbours and just to go on TV, uh, they were supportive and um, and yeah, we signed up that way. It was really, it was really cool. Actually, it was a really great experience. How old were you? Uh, I wasn't allowed to do it until I was sixteen. That was the rule. I had right. to wait till I was sixteen, <laughs> and then Dad was like, "I'll sign you up somewhere." Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, you, so you, your family, when did they sell the house? The the, the kind of dream regional home that you had where when in your life did that change happen yeah I think I was about 14 um when we moved and we moved still not to Melbourne but a bit closer into a suburb called Lilydale um so still probably about an hour from Melbourne and that was mainly because it was so far for us to get to high school um we'd catch my brother and I would catch the bus and that would take about an hour and a half on the bus and and my dad was working closer towards the city again so the commute was just getting um too tough on everyone so yeah so we moved a bit closer in and um and I was devastated at the time but also it was so handy that I didn't have to get up so early to catch the bus (laughs) And and with all these kind of dreams of being in TV, was fashion something that you, you had a love for as a kid? What's your first connection to having a relationship with fashion? 
Yeah, so um, Carrie Bradshaw was my idol. I used to watch so much Sex in the City, it wasn't funny. <laughs> I was just obsessed with her. And, and um, when I got my first job at McDonald's, I would just save up all my money to buy shoes. I was just obsessed with, even though I would never wear them, yeah. I would just buy these ridiculous high heels that I would just stare at. I'll have to send you a photo of my shoe wardrobe because it was insane. Um, <laughs> what was your so favorite pair? Fashion has always been, oh, I had this pair that were like, there was, the heel was backwards. So it was like a platform at the front and then it went up. So where your actual, your heel on your foot is, there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know the ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they were literally like that high. Like they were ridiculous. I'll send you a photo. That was so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, growing up, I um, I was definitely a tomboy and hated dresses. Um, I remember going to my first communion and all of the girls were wearing like these beautiful white dresses and the boys were wearing suits and I just couldn't figure out where I would fit into that. So I wore, um, do you remember those like baggy jeans that would have a zip under the knee? You could like zip off and they'd be three quarter shorts. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I wore, yeah, yeah. I wore those to my first communion with like a fluoro orange t-shirt. So I had like a bit of a funny relationship with fashion growing up. I, I really wanted to express myself. Um, but I didn't quite know what that meant. And I was very, very stubborn. Um, so if everyone else was wearing a dress, I would just blatantly refuse and, and wouldn't want to, you know, be in that same category as being a, a girly girl or or being the same as as everyone else. So I'd sort of push that envelope a little bit. And, um, and I guess when I was, you know, early pu- pubescent, I was a bit of a rebel and um, would get a lot of detentions and a lot of suspensions and, and, um, probably gave my mom an absolute headache every day. But yeah, I think, um, and I think that I expressed myself that way with fashion as well, where I would, where I would wear what I thought was different and where I felt comfortable. But did the naughtiness come out in, in your clothes as well? I think it did. Yeah. Like my, my, my whole family was devastated to my first communion. I wouldn't wear a white dress. And I was like, I'm not wearing a white dress because everyone else is wearing a white dress. Like how yeah. boring. Um, yeah. And I would, um, I would do things to my school uniform, like just nothing major, but just make little alterations of my own. Um, <laughs> and always get in a lot of trouble for it. Holding so, jumpers and, yeah, I think and you know, drawing That's right. checks on skirts, that kind of thing. A lot of, a lot of drawing, a lot of drawing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. So, you, so you moved, you moved kind of closer to the city and you're like starting to kind of explore things like television. Um, how did you start to kind of balance out your sense of self as you, you got a bit older? Um, I think I, I was very lucky to have a really great group of girlfriends that I'm still very close with. My friends that I've had since I was 12, they're still my best mates. Um, so I think that we all helped each other out a lot with um, with growing up. I also had three older brothers. So I think that that shaped a little bit of not wanting to fall into the category of being a girly girl. You know, I sort of wanted to be one of the boys and and play cricket and, and footy. Um, 
and, and do all those sorts of things. So I think that I was quite confused growing up for a while mm-hmm. and didn't really know my place, but that's probably where I did lean more into fashion and, and I would, you know, go op shopping with my mom and, and buy things that I could then um, edit. You know, I'd buy like a nothing major, but I'd buy a dress and turn it into a, like a mini skirt or, um, you know, little things like that where I could um, be creative and um, and, and your mom- my textile skills at the same time. Did your mum engage in those processes with you? Like, was, did, was she good with the sewing machine? Was that something that she could do with you and kind of find joy in together? Absolutely. My mum is very handy and I was not and still am not. <laughs> my mum took up my curtains in my house like a couple of months ago because I couldn't do it. So, yeah, she's she's really handy with that sort of stuff and, and was very – um, encouraging when I was growing up as well to, to, well, obviously to, to buy things from an op shop. My mum volunteered at an op shop for a number of years. And I guess that's where a lot of, um, my interest developed for sustainable clothing as well, because, you know, you watch on the news or, um, you find these articles about these huge piles of, um, clothing that are literally just going to waste and it's devastating and, and it actually doesn't have to be like that. Um, I think that it's, it's, you know, so strange that we're still living in this world where clothes are being thrown out so frequently when there's op shops everywhere or, you know, now there's online marketplace. It actually doesn't have to be, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, I guess, but, um, yeah, I think that that's where, um, yeah, like a, a huge love of my clothing came from. So if, if your mum was working in an op shop and, you know, you kind of realised that this could be like a grounds for you finding interesting things that you could manipulate, um, was that like a reflection of your mum being the, the, the kind of woman that we associate with like country New South Wales, like sturdy, resourceful, practical, community oriented. Is that kind of who she who she is? She is. <laughs> she actually is. She um I guess she she's not that um typical country woman, but she is very she's always been um very heavily involved in, in the community and um always done different pieces of, of volunteer work and she's very inspirational. She still works full time um and does her pottery classes throughout the week and um is obsessed with gardening. She she came up last weekend to help me in the garden and just is is yeah, really good cook, really great in the garden, great with the sewing machine. Um has yeah, I guess all of those qualities that uh, a a woman back in the day um <laughs> <laughs> was good at and 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 she's good at it so yeah she's taught me a lot actually very um very handy person to have as your mom yeah. so would you say you're following in her footsteps a little bit more now um I think I definitely am I used to hate gardening growing up I remember there were times where I would um she caught me sneaking out a couple of times and as punishment she would make me work in the garden um when I was hungover or whatever. So and now I actually love it. You know, I've got Andrew bought me, my partner, um, Andrew, yeah. farmer yes. Andrew, as you may yes. know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he bought me yeah. <laughs> he bought me a um <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but a compost bin for my birthday. Yeah. 
And I was absolutely stoked. Like me 10 years ago would have hated that and thought that that was a joke. But um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've got a new compost bin because rats got in our our old one and um, destroyed it. So yeah, I think that that I'm starting to develop my passions for for things that my my mom has always been um, yeah really involved with, and um, I guess I I grew up with. I, I as a parent myself, I'm like you know your mom must be a very smart woman because the idea of gardening for a rebellious teenager is actually brilliant because. You know, there's obviously when you are rebellious or you've got some tensions going on, there, it is a tension and um, something that you're, you know, those teenagers can be tricky and you're reconciling something in yourself and bringing you back to nature with your hands in the soil is probably that very grounding thing that allows you as a kid to actually centre yourself and do something productive and see that, you have a contribution to something that's bigger than yourself and um and when you give to that it gives back to you i'm like i'm like she must be a very smart woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> but at the at the time i felt like she made me hate it more because i was like it felt like a punishment but yeah you're so right like upon reflection it is it is like a real wholesome meditative um activity to do and it's it, it can just really calm your nervous system and relax you and, and ground you so I that's why I love it so much now <laughs> well I'm gonna take that tip um so, yeah. so going <laughs> back to the Jess of 10 years ago you what happened when you finished school because you, you didn't necessarily stay on neighbors or <laughs> television um what what happened? i know didn't didn't make my big break <laughs> what happened between your margot robbie years and farmer wants a wife um well when i when i finished high school i was very confused about what i wanted to do with my life in terms of a career i knew i wanted to do something worthwhile, but I, I didn't know what. And um, like a lot of teenagers these days, it really threw me and 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 really confused me. And I had a lot of stress and anxiety about what I was going to do. Um, I literally went through, we got given a book in year 12 and you could go through um, and I had everything that you could ever study at the time. So I went through that book, closed my eyes and pointed at and like would open a page and point to something and I picked out 10 different um, courses to study. One of them was like literally um, a, a GP, um, a physio. There was like every random job in there. And then I put them all in a hat and pulled one out. And the one that I pulled out was um, fashion merchandising. So I, I went and studied that for a few weeks, but just didn't um, didn't fit in properly there. It just didn't feel like the right move for me. Um, so instead I went to Europe <laughs> and, um, and had a gap year, which was great. Um, came back, um, did a, a course in real estate and became a property manager. And in between being a property manager, I, I was also sort of ducking away quite often to, to travel. Um, I did a big solo trip for 18 months where I started doing Camp America in, in New York state and, yeah incorporated a ski season in Whistler there and um yeah traveled Central and South America and and just did a did a big solo trip and um 
and then came back. I was uh, um, working in the aged care sector when I applied for Farmer Wants a Wife, which yeah. was now um, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that was my, my most recent job until I moved. Right. So um, the reason I have to ask all these questions about that kind of time in your life is because for someone that is known to be a reality TV star, Jess, you, you have quite a um, – a quiet uh, digital footprint. There's not a lot about you on the internet. Um, and, and, you know, like between Instagram, LinkedIn, like usually you can get a really strong sense of someone's uh, story, but it seems like you actually are quite a private person. Is that fair to say? I think that's pretty fair to say. I think that I, um, throughout my life, I've I feel like I've, gone between being an introverted person and an extroverted person. And I think I've decided I'm an extroverted introvert. (laughs) Um, So I think that what that means, I read about this not too long ago. I, um, I get, I get energy from, from being around other people that energizes me and makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, But also that time where I can relax and, and chill out and be by myself is, is so vital. Um, for my well-being and, and what I love to do. So when I am just chilling out, which I guess is often a time when people would be posting stuff on Instagram, doing stories, um, I don't know, sponsored content, whatever, I just don't have the energy for it. I really can't be bothered doing it. Yeah. And I just don't really have an interest in in sharing all of my life with with the world. Um, Andrew's the same. You know, he is a very private person when it comes to social media and um, he just doesn't have an interest in, in sharing too much about himself. Um, a lot of the show, we, we did have a bit of a hard time uh, with with online bullying and stuff like that as well. So I guess the, the more you open yourself up, you are welcoming critics and welcoming opinions that you might not want and and messages that that you might not want to receive so um yeah i think that i'm i'm more happy and content um you know keeping my own little bubble with my friends and family and just posting here and there yeah, it, it's kind of ironic though that you both ended up on a reality tv show <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but it did it did it its job and it, it found you guys love um and is that was that like your intention was was the was the calling to to apply for the show um about like trying to return to to that environment that you coveted and kind of idolized as a kid or was it look was it about looking for romance like what what do you think the real impetus for you to put that application in was Look, honestly, neither. Um, what happened for me was one of my really good friends messaged me. This is so. This is peak um, COVID in Melbourne. Yeah. So this is twenty twenty, <laughs> stage four lockdown. One of one of my girlfriends messaged me saying, um, "I applied for Farmer Wants a Wife last week, and I have an interview tomorrow." Um, she sent me the link, and she was like, "This is the the farmer that I've applied for," and his name was Farmer yeah. Sam. And I was sort of looking and I was like, oh, yeah, cute. Like that, that sounds really fun. And then I saw Andrew's profile and, um, and I had no, int- I've like never really watched the show. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, I've never been someone that wants to, you know, desperately go on reality TV or anything like that. But 
I saw Andrew's profile and I thought maybe I should do this. Like maybe he looks really cool. He's got a cool video. He just seems like my sort of person. And I was living back with my parents at the time as well. So I was going a little bit insane (laughs) there. And I was telling my dad, like, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe I should apply for Farmer Wants a Wife. And he's like, oh, yeah, like tell me a bit about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll read you the application. So I read him um, Andrew's application, like some of the questions and answers. And um, he was like, yeah, great, Jess, you've nailed it. You've you've been really true to yourself. That's exactly who you are. You've answered those questions perfectly. And I was like, no, they're Andrew's questions and answers. And he's like, oh, well, like, and my dad, who I'm, who I'm so close with and knows me better than anyone, legitimately thought they were my questions and answers because we just had all these similarities. Like, what, so I was what like, were the whatever. Well, um, points there? Like, what were those salient similarities? Oh, it was, it was literally, it was kind of like, I can't even remember. I'd have to pull up Andrew's profile and have a look, but it was, it was pretty basic questions. It was, um, you know, kind of just tell me about yourself and what does, what does your relationship with your friends and family look like? And, um, what sort of qualities do you want in a partner? It was, it was that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, I think there was a bit about music as well. We have quite similar tastes in music. So yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of felt like it was a little bit meant to be. And then, and then when I applied and and the producer was like, um, called me and said, you've, you've got through, um, and you're going to end up with this guy. Like, I've got no doubt you and him are going to, are going to make it and you're seriously made for each other. And I was kind of like, whatever, you're a producer. Of, of course you're going to say that to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I actually pulled out. I was like, I don't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't, I don't know what it's going to be like um, actually doing it. And I haven't thought it through properly. I just sort of applied on a whim and and I, I pulled out and um, I had like the producer calling me every day being like, you have to go on. Like, you just have to trust me. I know you think I'm a sleazy producer, but you have to do it. So um, anyway, he convinced me and I went on it and obviously very glad that I did. <laughs> so um Given like, you know, you, you had this history of being like a tomboy and you, you, but you had this sense of like already a sense of consciousness with your fashion. Um, did you actively think about how you were going to represent yourself once you got on TV? And I know that these shows are often styled, but do you feel like what you were wearing was telling your story the way you wanted to or was it telling the story the way the show wanted to kind of portray you um yeah so with with farmer wants a wife there are um like there is a wardrobe department mm-hmm. but it's all about our own clothes we don't we don't get to you know have a budget for clothing if they want us to buy new clothes they'll tell us that like we need to buy new clothes and that'll be coming out of our pocket sort of thing right so it's a little bit brutal but um (laughs) I um (laughs) I was pretty happy with with how I was portrayed in terms of what I was wearing it was all of yeah obviously all of my own outfits and um and we could only take so many items of clothing as well because we just had our suitcase that we could take with us and had all these changes that we had to make throughout. So, yeah, I think that it was a pretty fair representation. Um, was it stressful packing for the show? It was stressful packing for the show, especially <laughs> because I was like, I don't have any farm clothes. Like, what am I supposed to wear? <laughs> yeah, so um, going back to that idea that 
you guys are private people and you know that there was a bit of like conflict and you know the the trolling and what have you as part of um you guys being on the show how did you deal with that privately um yeah it was it was definitely challenging um particularly because we weren't living together um at the time so we were sort of in this long distance relationship amongst hectic I think it was stage four lockdown still at the time when our when our season was on TV. And it was um, a probably very testing time as well for, for any relationship being in, in long distance and, and this high-pressure environment where Andrew's getting all these messages basically saying um, how awful I am and I'm getting these messages saying how awful I am. So it was just like a really really hard thing to deal with. Um, we both have very supportive friends and family that were, were incredible through that time, but it just, it, it meant a lot of, a lot of time talking on the phone together, a lot of FaceTime, like a lot of checking in, seeing each other whenever we could. Um, and just, it, it amplified our connection in a way as well, because it, we had to lean so heavily on one another, particularly me leaning on Andrew, because it was, I guess I, um, was the brunt of more of the bullying than than what he was, but at the same time he was getting so offended because he was getting messages about me. Mm. So yeah, it, it just um, really made us feel like it was just him and I against the world. And and um, although that that was really challenging, sometimes it, it definitely um, solidified our relationship. It was less than one year that we'd been together, and I guess. Um, just made us both realise that that we'd made the right decision in in committing to one another. Yeah, as and, lame as that sounds, but <laughs> I mean, it was such a hectic time. No, I, I mean, look, I think I think it's for the best of us. COVID either made or break, broke relationships, you know, and because um, you either had to pull on your communication skills and your connection point, or if those things weren't strong enough, it kind of showed that it was it, that that it wasn't you know it wasn't strong enough to keep mm. the ties together but for the people listening that aren't aware of the kind of conflict that was created what like do you want to just give a kind of short explanation of why people were dirty <laughs> yeah we had we had these issues with our our producer because um her brother was was a farmer and um he was was with someone from from melbourne she moved to the farm to be with him and basically she broke his heart and um our producer being the sibling was was just devastated by that so she would pull me aside and say jess you're never gonna move like stop messing with andrew's head let him go on with the other girls you're not the one you're just gonna hurt him you're gonna ruin him blah 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 and she was doing the same with andrew and pulling him aside saying don't choose jess she's just gonna break your heart like really drawing this wedge between us, which um, watching the show, you know, we could really see how stressed and unhappy we actually were because we knew we wanted to be together, but someone was telling us all these things that would be so wrong with um, with our relationship. Um, so so on the show, I'm this, um, this city girl and they would have these voiceovers being like, city girl Jess is, is never going to move to Andrew's farm and, and all this stuff, um, which just was so far from the truth. Firstly, I've, I've never lived in the city in my life. And secondly, that the conversations that Andrew and I were having in terms of moving together 
um, which might I add, just start having that conversation after you've known someone, not even yeah. a full day. They start asking when you're going to move. And so I was just saying to him, like, if if we're right for each other, then absolutely I'll move. Like, of course I will, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm definitely yeah. moving. Like, we didn't know each other well enough, and, and that would have been a lie for me to say, yeah, I'm I'm done, I'm moving. So the way that, that I was portrayed in the show was this girl that's, that was really just going to hurt him and, and I had no right to, to be there because um, I wasn't willing to commit to, to moving straight away to yeah. be with him. Um, so that, that's where most of the, the bullying came from that. And also, um, I, I spoke to the producers about it after and, and they explained to me that I was deliberately betrayed as the wrong, the wrong choice right. because for they Andrew knew the right choice and that's because they, and they wanted it to be, that's right. Yeah. Not so obvious. They wanted, and yeah, that's right. And they wanted just to make sure that people would watch the following <laughs> season because none of the other farmers and, and, and ladies were together. So they were like, we need to make this dramatic and powerful and um and bring in the viewers for next season. So it's all it's all it's all yeah. marketing, it's all sales yeah. like and um and that's all it is. You're just a character on a show. It's got actually nothing to do with who you are <laughs> yeah. at all. So you're in your own farmer version of, of Ramsey Street. You're you're in your regional Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> um That's exactly right. So you you have you have landed in Delegate. You are on the farm. Um, is it the happy place that you kind of hoped that it would be in reality? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that living rurally has its own challenges. And for me, it's important to have a, a career and um, a you know, point of contact socially as well with, with friends and family. So what we're doing is probably not quite the norm. I really struggled to get a job in Delegate. So I was looking for about eight months and, and um, which isn't surprising if you know how small the yeah. area is. There was just nothing, <laughs> nothing available. So I go up to Canberra a couple yeah. of days a week. So I am a um, business development manager and go up to Canberra a couple of days a week and work from home the rest of the week. So it's about a, a three-hour drive to Canberra, and that gives me that balance of, of seeing um, seeing mates in Canberra and um, that point of contact for my career, and then I get to do majority of my work from home. So it's, it's a really nice balance for me and for Andrew as well because he didn't want me just sitting at home working from home by myself all day. That that was looking like it was going to put pressure on our relationship that yeah. we just didn't want. And and what are you loving about being there? Um oh it it definitely has that sense of freedom, I think, living um living where we are. You're you know, there's no traffic <laughs> at all. And you just it, it's quite peaceful. Um I think it is a really nice way to live and you know the, the fact that people rely upon um, veggie patches because the, the closest shop is just that bit too far away, I think that that's really cool and it sort of strips back a whole layer of stresses and anxiety that, that people have day-to-day -day when they're not living in a rural community. Um, and that's another important point as well is the community feel. You know, everyone is everyone's mate or they're related to Andrew <laughs> somehow. So, um you you really rely on each other, which is which yeah. is beautiful. And um, and do you feel like because obviously you, you had a bit of restlessness <laughs> before going on the show and and in your teenage years, but 
landing where you are now? Do you feel like you're a little bit more centered? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I definitely feel more centered now. And I think that, um, that being in a, a rural area is quite grounding, um, that and my relationship with Andrew, it's, it's, it's a nice balance. I still get to see my friends and family when I need to see them or well, not when I need to, but when I want to see them, um, it's actually not that far to, to drive down to Melbourne or to book a flight to, to duck down for a weekend. So yeah, I feel I feel really um, at ease. My anxiety levels have definitely reduced since I've moved here, which is something that I've sort of always not really battled with, but but um, has been an element of my life. So yeah, I, I think that I just feel like it's it's been the right decision for me and and for Andrew. So let's talk about the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> have you fallen in love with the sheep? The sheep are so cute. Um, they're, they're lambing at the moment. So there's just these teeny tiny little sheep running around everywhere. And um, also that um, Andrew's got a few cows. So they're calving at the moment. So there's also all these really cute yeah. baby cows. So on um, on weekends we'll often like go for a drive um, or, or go on the motorbike around the farms and, and check on all the baby animals. And that's definitely the best part. <laughs> um, yeah. In this uh, season of the podcast, you know, the the connection point between my guests and the kind of thing that I'm looking to explore is how do we reconnect to land um, in that way that we have a better relationship with our clothes, that we understand where they come from, that we understand the impact of overconsumption and overproduction. Uh, and you know, obviously you are in a very specifically direct relationship with that concept. You know, you, you are on a sheep farm. What has that sense of like understanding where the wool is coming from, how they sheep are reared, the land that exists around them, the community that exists around the farm? How does that affect your sense of fashion? Um, and the way that you're approaching your own clothing now. Yeah, I think that now, you know, I, I used to just, if I felt like I needed a, a T-shirt or something like that, I would go shopping and probably buy four or five, which was just ridiculous. Or I would go to an op shop and do the same, but I actually didn't need them. Yeah. Um, whereas now I feel like I'm much more conscious to to wear what I have and what I need and, and buy things if I, if I desperately want them or need them. Um, in terms of, you know, wearing fancier clothes, if we have an event, um, a wedding or something like that, I definitely hire. Uh, I just feel like it's much more sustainable and it's economic and it's, it's, it's really good for Australia um, in a number of ways. And, and for my day to day, particularly, you know, when we're just hanging out on the weekends, um, going to the farm, things like that, I'll wear clothes that are more practical and um, sustainable rather than just wear buying different things and wearing different things for the sake of it. You know what I mean? And is um, there's it, definitely is that, more that that. Sorry, I was just going to say, is is that because you you have a better connection with the land and and the process? I think it's definitely because I have a better connection with the land and and more so because I it just doesn't feel necessary to 
to overindulge. You know, I, I just, I don't have that desire to, to buy things that I feel like I don't really need. Um, for sure, I'll splurge every now and then, don't get me wrong, but not, not, yeah, not unnecessarily, not overindulging. Um, I think that Andrew has had a big impact on that because obviously being a farmer, he's a very practical person. So he, um, his whole concept for life is, is to do it the most practical way uh, and, and efficient. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> um, yeah, so... So absolutely, I think that my my relationship with how I shop um, and why I shop has changed since I've moved. And I guess, you know, us city girls have a perception of farms and farmers, but if there was a misconception that you could alleviate to the city girls, mm-hmm. um, what would it be? One misconception is that farmers get up really early. I always thought that farmers got up at like the crack of dawn. Um, they don't. Yeah. They don't get up at the crack of dawn. They get up at a normal time. I don't know, Andrew might start work at 8 or 8.30 or something like that um, and be home by 4. I don't know. I guess it's a bit seasonal and it changes. It is based on the weather a bit, but it's not these ridiculous hours unless maybe you're a dairy farmer. Um, so that's one misconception. I think the other misconception is I think that um, people think if you're in a relationship with a farmer, you're married to the, the farm as well. Mm. You know, your whole life revolves around the farmer and the farm. And um, I just couldn't live like that. Like I, I need to have my own life and my own career and my own goals and aspirations. And I need Andrew to support my goals as much as I support his. Um, it's not one-sided. So I think that that's, that's a really important um, thing that people don't realize is there's this whole, yeah, perception that, that if you are with a farmer, then that's your life. Um, yep. Your life revolves around the farmer and, and it is what it is, which just isn't the case. Um, but do you occasionally get in there and help shear the sheep or <laughs> feed the cows? <laughs> I do not shear the sheep. I do not shear the sheep. I um, I try to pat the baby lambs. <laughs> yeah. I might help with like mustering or you know if Andrew needed a hand with something like for sure I would I would I would help him out however I could. But um, he doesn't really need help. Um, he, you know, didn't go on farmer wants a wife to how he says he didn't go on farmer wants to wife a wife to have a farm yep. hand, uh, and he wants me to have my own career and and um, my own goals. So yeah, for sure, if he needs help, I'll help yeah. him. But he doesn't really. And what about the his care for the land and and the animals? Like, tell us about his relationship as a farmer with with the farm. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realise um, how important the, the well-being of the animals are to the farmers. Like Andrew cares about his sheep more than anyone else and um, people have, you know, this rumours created that farmers don't treat their animals well and I have never seen that. Like that is not the case in this area at all. Farmers are so passionate about what they do and, and how they care for their animals Um and I don't know where those misconceptions come from, but it's certainly not relevant to, to this yeah. area. I was just going to say, you're coming from a perspective oh. of, 
you know, you, you grew up in an op shops, you now realize that you need less, like, and that you kind of consciously are only using, getting the things that you need and, and finding, um, more circular ways to, uh, embrace the things when they're not a requirement. Um, so is that something that like a principle he would live by as well? Yeah, Andrew is definitely not an overindulger when it comes to buying clothes. He's got his clothes that he wears to work, which are, um, you know, very durable and and um, suitable for the weather. Um, and I think that he probably has that stance with most things. He doesn't like food waste, um, neither do I. He, he doesn't see the need to, to overindulge in in anything maybe except for beer. <laughs> um, Just kidding. <laughs> you guys are now living out your happily ever after. So what's next? How do you think life on the farm and across Canberra to delegate? Like how will that evolve for you? Yeah, we don't really know what, what will happen in terms of um, the travel to and from Canberra with with my career yet. We haven't quite gotten there to figure out what that looks like in the future for us. But I guess next steps, um, we probably will look at at getting married and and having 11 (laughs) children, which is what I desperately want. (laughs) Why 11? No, we we are... I don't know. I've just always wanted a really big family. I think because my mum is is one of nine. So I've just always thought that it just seems like so much fun, even though it's would be so ridiculously busy, but we'll see. That's a, um, a conversation that we have had, but, um, Andrew's more leaning towards two. So, um, I'm sure we'll settle in the middle of like six. Yeah. 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 Um, And as you have your 11 slash seven children and you're living on the farm, as an older woman, uh, do you imagine yourself still in a rural environment and what do you think you'll be wearing? Ooh. That's a fun question. Um. Yes, I picture myself definitely living in a rural environment still with a beautiful garden and an incredible veggie patch. Um, and what would I be wearing? Maybe like a really cool straw hat. Um, <laughs> some like colourful gumboots and just like a very simple dress. Just a simple colour, maybe white. I don't know. Now I'm getting like a real visual of me being this little old woman. (laughs) I love it. I think it's very chic. (laughs) (laughs) Very trendy. Yeah, I love it. Um, I can can totally see a fashion editorial with like a nicely frayed, worn straw hat and um, and, and gorgeous. That's what I'm picturing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Love Jess, it. Thank you so much for <laughs> joining me today and sharing your style story with us. As the script goes, Jess is a city girl who fell in love with a sheep farmer. But in reality, her love for nature was always in her storyline. Whether she was wrestling in mud, riding horses, or having dinners round the campfire, you could argue life on the farm was written in her stars. 
And while these childhood antics may have informed some confused tomboy looks, it was her grounded upbringing that has come to have the strongest influence on her style. Like her practical approach to reusing, repurposing and recycling clothes, Jess's story has gone full circle and returned her to a place where her hands are back in nature and her feet firmly on the ground. And while her story may have now found her her happily ever after, it's Jess's style to seek sustainable solutions, speak her mind and stand on her own two feet.